0: Landon and Taria Harris started out rehabbing single-family homes. After a few successful projects, they realized it was not the direction they wanted. The amount of time, work, and capital were more money than they wanted to manage. Their love of real estate led them to other investment opportunities. After hearing a podcast on vacant land sales, they immediately knew land investing was the right direction for them. Their land business began in 2019 where they immediately set up structure, processes and tools to build their land business. Within a few short months, their business soared. They were able to build a successful land business and replace Landon's full-time job in the first year. In this episode, we talked to Landon and Taria about the challenges of rental property investing as well as house flipping. How that experience led them to invest in raw land how they purchased 10 parcels for just $14,000 on their first deal, and the systems and processes they've set up to make their raw land business run as passively as possible. I'm Neil Henderson, and this is The Road to Family Freedom. Before we get to this week's show, we'd like to make you aware of something. We are self-storage investors. We buy existing self-storage facilities and vacant buildings that can be converted to self-storage in the Sunbelt. We buy them with cash and some with loans, and we use private lenders who become equity partners in our deals. These equity partners share in the cash flow and the profits when we sell. When we find a deal that we're considering, we call the equity partners and offer them a share of the ownership secured by the property. So if you've ever driven by a self-storage facility and thought, "I wonder who owns those things," and you have any interest in learning more about the storage business, we'd love to chat with you. Head on over to roadtofamilyfreedom.com/storage. That's roadtofamilyfreedom.com/s t o r a g e and set up a time to chat. We look forward to speaking with you.
1: All right. Enough out of us, let's hit the road to family freedom.
0: Well, Landon and Taria Harris, welcome to the Road to Family Freedom. Thank Thank you. you.
1: Happy to be here. Yeah,
0: we we were we were having some good laughs about parenting during a pandemic before we (laughs) jumped online. So if we're a little giggly to start, that's that's the reason. So before we dig in a little deeper into raw land investing, I want to hear about a high level view of your sort of journey into real estate investing and your previous experience.
2: So, you know, we started real estate, wow, I'd probably say almost 10 uh, years ago with renting. Um, And we started with rental houses, buying rental houses and, you know, going through that whole process, it was a big headache. And transitioned into more flipping houses and we had gotten into flipping houses probably like 7 years ago 6 7 years ago and the the amount of money it was taking to to amass to do a you know a rehab on houses was getting expensive and even buying a rehab was was starting to go up especially here in the Atlanta market so we you know we we got to a point we started to you know, look around and what else could we do? We love real estate. Um, my wife and I both have been in it for a while and we've enjoyed it. But I think with uh, residential uh, house flipping, it was getting a little tough. And then, you know, we, we summed up on a podcast and t- with a land geek and, you know, we, we took off from there and started working with raw land
0: and it's become our thing. And it's growing and doing really well. So how many rental properties did you get up to owning? I had
2: about four properties total, and uh, trying to do you know deal with all of them at the same time, and you know we didn't have a manager, so I was the manager. <laughs> and that's a headache. You get a phone call in the middle of the night: "Hey, my toilet's busted. Just turn the water off." You know, and so you know you just didn't want to deal with those kind of things. So yeah, we we had about four, I think, uh, total with that.
0: Do it yourself landlord, obviously. Yes. Yes. And then uh, were they all there and were they nearby? Were they, they're obviously in the Atlanta market where you live? Yeah,
2: they were all relatively close, you know, and I say relatively close, 45 minutes is close uh, in the Atlanta area. So, you know, we had had a few um, in, in our local area um, that we
0: were working with, but
2: yeah, you know, one or two were a little bit of getting to the point where it's just, it's not worth the drive.
0: <laughs> yeah. What sort of price point are we talking about here? So people have got, I mean, this was back in 2010 when it seems like everything was probably on sale. But.
2: Everything was, yes. So, you know, these houses were, you know, were roughly around 120. And at that time, especially when the economy was on the floor, I think everybody was losing their shirt at that point. And so, you know, with all of those rentals, you know, you're, you're probably averaging about uh, $1,200 a month you know, with income. And sometimes if, if, you know, you had a roof that's leaking, you got to replace that or a furnace that's going, you know, you got to replace that. So sometimes you didn't even make that you end up having to put more into the house than it was actually getting to the point where it's worth. So. Yeah.
0: So you, at one point you, you were cash flowing 1200 a month across the, f- the four properties.
2: Well, that was per property, per property. Mm-hmm. You were cash
0: flowing $1,200 a month per property? No, we not after. <laughs> yeah, across all four. It
1: was, it was four. more like, yeah, across all four. So more like $400
2: right, per, property. per property. Okay. That's still, right. yeah. Yeah, I mean, after it's good. Data, everything, right.
0: Yeah, it is great. But there are all those months where I have a, I, we invest long distance and I've got a property manager and, you know, it's all great until the property manager calls you up and said, Hey, we had a, a plumbing problem and it leaked mm-hmm. and it was a $1,200 fix. And you yeah. go, Well, you know, there went eight Aww. months, you know, well, you know, six months cash flow <laughs> on that. Pro- well, not quite that, five months cash flow on that property, you know, and it's just gone. Just always kind of hope that you're not going to have something worse. Um, or yeah. right now, you know, a lot of people are dealing with tenants who are, unemployed and they're not able to evict them. And, you know, luckily yeah. knock on wood, I haven't had that issue, but, um, so you transitioned into flipping properties. Cause you're like, you know, this, <laughs> this rental property stuff is just not fun. And talk to me a little bit about what you, uh, where you were as far as uh, flipping properties.
2: So once we got uh, to a point of, you know, realizing that I guess rentals were just not quite the avenue we wanted to go in switched into flipping a couple of houses and you know with flipping houses it's great because you I mean you you get your money back immediately i won't say immediately but in a short short period of time we we had gotten to i guess two projects in and by the second project of being you know now now you're being the gc and you're you're having to get all everybody put together you know and um And budgets, you know, running into budget issues, it started to look a little bit that it was taking up too much capital, too much time, and you know, when you're, if you're dealing with a hard money lender, you know, it gets even a little tougher. So you have to really, yeah, you had to really start taking a look at all the angles in that. But uh, we did that for about two, two and a half years, and then transitioned.
0: So you went from you went from a not so passive do it yourself landlord rental property to an even less passive uh <laughs> house flipping. Did you both have W2 jobs at the time? Yes. Yes. And yes, do and do you still have W2 jobs?
1: Yes, currently, but We okay. still do. Yeah. He's he's retiring this summer. Yes.
0: Uh, congratulations. Um, but yeah,
1: <laughs> we still we still maintain W2s. <laughs> That's right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's the other issue with with rental property as well, is that it's it gets really, really hard to buy rental property without a W-2 income in the family. Once you once you sort of go off and now you're an entrepreneur, I know from experience, the lenders kind of, you know, they go, "Mm," you know, suddenly the rates aren't quite so good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Don't call us. We'll call you. Correct. (laughs) When did the aha moment happened for you when it comes to raw land investing?
1: So for us, it was after mailing, you know, mailing offer letters and trying to, you know, get more properties to purchase to flip. Landon listened to a podcast that uh, Mark Podolsky was on and he came home and he's like, I have listened to it. Like, it was like the Holy grail for him. He's like, this is it. And so I was like, okay, I'll listen to it. And it was a couple of days I drug my feet. So I'm like, "Uh uh-huh. Right. And so finally I listened to it and just the concept was simple. It was easy to understand. So I told him he was waiting for us to kind of discuss, would we, you know, a go or no go? And I'm like, yeah, if you don't do it, I will. So we, I'm all in on this. (laughs) And so within what, a week or two, we had signed up for training and, and, and that kind of is how we skyrocket into this business.
0: Gotcha. So let's talk money to get that first land deal. Mm -hmm. How much money did it take you to buy that first land deal? And let's, let's keep the education part out of it for now.
1: Our first one was probably about $1,200. Correct.
0: Correct. And our that was, land. that
2: was 10 properties.
1: Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah.
2: Yeah. That was our first yeah. one.
1: But then um, that was 14,000.
2: Correct. <laughs> well, yeah. Okay. After you know, had all this, so we were looking yeah. at about 14,000, our first deal. Now that was, we bought 10 properties all at one time mm-hmm. off of one mailing. And it, it kind of worked out, you know, with most properties, you're averaging about a thousand dollars per, per cost uh, mm-hmm. per, to purchase the property. Now, usually when we sell them, we'll sell them and three X or four X or four X what we
0: get. So I just want to make sure I understand. A parcel of land, you're buying a parcel of land for about twelve hundred a piece. Yeah,
1: depending upon the area you're okay. in, some areas will cost more. Sure. The area we started in, um, I think our first parcel was either twelve or fourteen hundred. Okay. Um, this woman just happened to have 10 she
0: wanted gotcha. to sell. And so, so we you bought, bought all 10 of them.
1: Correct. For but about, had you just bought one, it just would have been $1,400 for that one parcel.
0: Okay. All right. So you bought that, you bar- bought those 10 parcels for about $14,000. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then do you recall kind of a general figure about what marketing cost you at that point?
1: At that point, we were doing it ourselves. So mm-hmm. we literally were just on Facebook posting our own Facebook ads. So marketing, I mean, if we say a hundred dollars, if you want to include like our time and labor, you know, it, it was relatively low back then because it was just us.
0: Gotcha. Right. Call it, call it, you know, 250 you Exactly. Know, your yeah. time as yeah.
2: well. I mean, I, I wouldn't say it would have been more than two hundred dollars that yeah. you know we spent with any kind of marketing that we did at that point.
0: Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And how did you how did you find the deal? She she saw some of your marketing on Facebook.
1: No, in terms of purchasing, we mail. Yeah. So we just mail to the owners of the land in a specific area and we make them an offer to purchase their land. Right. And so they just kind of respond back either via phone, email, or sometimes they fax us back the offer letter sign.
2: Right. Gotcha. And then when we sold it, I mean, we it. oh, we're not on sold. No. Yet. I'm sorry. <laughs> I jumped ahead.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so you have not sold those properties yet we have oh yeah no we've sold those
1: i was telling him you hadn't asked about the sold yet (laughs) (laughs)
0: okay no it's fine we've just had mark podolsky on the show although the the episode at this point hasn't aired yet it'll be probably up in a a couple of weeks Uh, so for but for people who maybe have not heard that episode talk to us sort of about how what it is you're looking for in with raw with a potential you know piece of raw land Uh, and how it is that you're talking the seller into selling to you. Sure.
1: So for us, we have an area that we want to focus on. So Landon does a lot of our county research, what areas that we feel we can find buyers in. Um, in the beginning, it's like we didn't have a buyer's list. We didn't really know demand at that point. So you you just kind of pick an area you think you connect with and you can afford to buy the property in that area. Mm-hmm. And we we mail. And believe it or not, a lot of these owners of the property, they've never been to the property. You know, they've owned it or, you know, someone's passed it down to them. And oftentimes they have no need or use of it. And so they were they call us back and they're like hey I received your offer sometimes it's a negotiation where they feel their property is worth more and and so from there we go into like a due diligence period where we do a little bit more digging you know making sure that the title is clean and things like that no back taxes um so oftentimes it's not really us convincing them to sell it in as much as they're wanting to get rid of it we've just presented an offer that they like right
2: gotcha and most of the properties that we work with, don't have HOAs. So it makes it a lot easier to purchase properties without any kind of issues that you're going to have somebody overlooking the properties that are going to, you know, just cause you issues even when you go to sell it.
0: So you guys are skipping straight to, you know, Hey, we're, we'd like to buy your land. Here's an offer right off the bat. Correct. Yes. Correct. Yeah. Correct.
1: There's, there's money associated money in the offer right there when they get it. Right. Gotcha.
0: Uh, and how are you coming up with that initial offer price?
2: So we, and that's where we do a lot of research. And you know, a lot of times, you know, we're we're getting our comps based on other properties that have sold in the area. There's a number of websites out there that you know they are giving you values of kind of what properties are selling at, and. Generally, we try to always four x our money, so we just divide by four <laughs> when it comes down to it, and that becomes the offer. Um, and gotcha. you know, it's been
0: working. So, <laughs> gotcha. And so you're writing them up, and you're you're writing them saying, "Hey, you know, we're willing to buy your property for you know one quarter of of what you know the comps are saying that you could potentially sell it for."
1: Correct. correct. And that's, that's just correct. that's
0: your initial that's your initial offer. And is there you know, and sometimes there's a negotiation. We're like, no, I want a little bit more for it. Mm-hmm. Right.
2: Yeah. And, and you will have that. And and we have had that. I'd probably say two thirds of the offers that we get back. Uh, somebody wants to negotiate. But, you know, you're talking about a hundred bucks and yeah. maybe that's the difference of what, what we're negotiating. So the negotiation process isn't really too difficult. It <laughs> just becomes how much do you really want to spend for a property? Gotcha.
0: Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the devil's in the details. You've, you've got this cash offer. I assume it's a cash offer. We're going to buy your land for $1,400. Are there any other terms? Is it just cash, cash offer?
2: Straight Straight cash. cash. And then, you know, like if they have some back taxes, sometimes we'll take on those back taxes, but we back out how much we're actually purchasing the property for. So, you know, if they're in trouble, with, you know, with taxes, we'll assume those taxes sometimes if it's, if it's, you know, matching the value of what we're offering our offer price. Mm-hmm. And we'll take that on. But outside of that, yeah, not much, else.
0: Gotcha. not much else. And then you mentioned due diligence. So, you know, I mean, when you're dealing with direct to seller, especially with real estate, let's say I'm buying a, a rental property. And a lot of times you'll say, Hey, here's my offer. Now here are the contingencies <laughs> in case we discover that, you know, it's, it's termite ridden or, you know, got mold issues or asbestos, whatever, what sort of due diligence, you mentioned it, what sort of due diligence and contingencies are you including in your offer?
1: So in the offer, we we do put, you know, this offer is based on, you know, in, in the fine print, we do put, you know, it's based on no back taxes, no encumbrances and things like that, no liens on the property. So during our due diligence, really the only thing that we have really run into are back taxes. The occasional issue of you really can't sell it, you know, it's your mom's property, you know, you're right. not authorized to sell it. So we'll run into that. But for the most part, that's pretty much it in right. anything else is pretty minor. Like every now and then we'll send our photographer out if we're doing due diligence in a new area and he'll say, Oh gosh, there's, there's trash on the property, you know, or, you know, there's whatever. And so, you know, we oftentimes will leverage that, you know, Hey, well, we wanted to offer you this, but now we have to go do some cleaning up. So now here is our offer. Right.
2: And like, you know, like Toria said, there's, there's sometimes issues with the title, if there are minor issues that we can fix, sure, we'll fix it and get that worked out. But sometimes, yeah, you're, you're not gonna get that clean title. And those are sometimes just properties we just have to walk away from. Um, we don't want any issues running into titles. Um, but and, and also location, and that's also important. So sometimes uh, the location of a specific property, um, even though we mailed a certain area, yeah, I may have some issues on it. Um, you you just want to make sure that the location of the property is correct and that it's you know uh, nothing major outside of that.
0: Gotcha. How far away uh, are most of the? What's the area that you're targeting? How far away is it
2: from where we are currently, or yeah. just, oh. just in, yeah, just in general?
0: <laughs> just you don't have to tell me exactly where it is. No, it's it, okay.
2: It's okay. So. We have properties literally all the way on the West Coast. I mean, we're in Georgia and we've got properties in Oregon, and Texas, Texas, and Mexico, Colorado. And Colorado. So, Florida. Yeah. So we've got we don't own
1: any property, any land property in, Atlanta, in, the state, in Georgia. In Georgia.
2: <laughs> Which is wild. But yeah, so most of the properties that we actually yeah, look for sometimes are not even local.
0: All right. So let's talk about that first property first 10 set of 10 properties that you bought. You bought it for about $14,000. Now what do you do with it?
1: Yeah. We market those properties. Um, back then we, we really just had Facebook and maybe Craigslist. And, Craigslist. <laughs> and since then, obviously we have a few more platforms that we're on, but, uh, we market it and we hope that it, you know, attracts someone and typically, if we post an ad on Facebook, we get responses and people inquiring about the property. And so from there, we just engage in conversation, see if it's something they that they're looking for, and then hopefully we sell it to them.
2: Right, right. Now, you know, on our first, our first deal that we really worked out was actually a wholesale. So we ended up wholesaling the property to another land investor. And actually, I want to say first six we ended up uh mm-hmm. wholesaling to uh, other land investors that were you know in that area and looking for properties before we actually sold to i i would say a, a uh, buyer, buyer you know gotcha. a, a resident a regular residential
0: buyer so. gotcha. with a wholesale you're basically just flipping the contract to another land investor correct um no
2: most of the time we'll at least make half Or we'll double our money. I would say we at least double our money on a wholesale as opposed to, you know, just Joe Blow um, looking to buy the property. Most of the time, that's about three to four X. Uh,
0: So on a typical deal, how are you structuring the sale? So with most
2: of our buyers, we are working with, they they assume a note. A lot of people will put a down payment. You know, it could be something small as like $300. And then, you know, we'll we'll put them on a five year plan to pay off the property at, you know, one hundred and fifty dollars a month or two hundred dollars a month, and, you know, it, it we that's pretty much it. I mean, with we have a contract, it, it's you know, been through an attorney and everything, but we have a contract. They, you know, I have to follow through all the guidelines on it. You know, we don't allow them to live on the property until they are actually. Have purchased yeah. it and paid it all the way off before we actually let them move on to it.
0: Okay. So. so it's, so it's, you know, they've got, they put a down payment in, they can't live, they can't do anything. They can't live on the property and they can't build a structure on the property until it's paid for. Right. right. now they're They can
1: camp, right? you know, if yeah. they want to go do recreational things like that. Sometimes if someone has paid it off, maybe halfway and we see like, you know, they're, they have built up a good relationship with us because we're financing these people. They sign a promissory note and they sign a land purchase contract, but we're financing them with no credit checks or anything. So it's really kind of a, a trust thing we're trying to establish. So if they've paid for, you know, half or a little more than half off, then sometimes we begin to relax, you know, what we will and won't allow. But for the most part, you can't just buy it and go squat on it. Right.
0: So. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I'm going to go, I, I bought, I bought a, a land for a $300 down payment and I'm going to go build a house on it.
1: Yes. Correct. Not Correct. going to happen.
0: Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. And is the land typically, are you typically targeting land that's in a residential area or are you more out in the country? You know, you talked about people camping and things like that. Is there Both. a type of land that you're looking for? Both.
2: Yeah. Yeah. We look for both because there are some properties, let's say in Florida, I mean, most of those are residential properties. I mean, they have power, that water and connections already ready, paved roads and everything. But then, you know, we have those other properties out in the middle of their mountain properties. Well, there's not a lot of power out there or water (laughs) on there, but, um, you know, people.
1: The off-gridders love that. that. Yeah, So we try to target both. You want some land that, you know, build your dream home on when you retire in Florida, or if you just want to go completely off grid, you know, yep. solar and septic and all of that, we yeah. have that for you as well. Yeah. 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 Gotcha.
0: So you're typically, you're getting a, a large part of your initial down payment back with their down payment, which is great. And then you're structuring typically a, a monthly payout over what's the term five, you said normally five years. Yeah. You
2: know, our average the is pants. five years. Mm-hmm. And most of the time they've paid off the property within the first or paid what our initial investment back in and within the first year. So, you know, by that time, you know, we're just making money on top of, you know, our initial investment at that point.
0: Gotcha. And how many notes would you say you're holding right now?
1: We have about 40 notes right now.
2: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's about 40 notes. And most of them, you know, they range. You know, they could be from a hundred dollars all the way up to five, six hundred. Yeah, gotcha. Um, and so it just adds up <laughs> at a certain
0: point. Gotcha. All right. So it sounds kind of, sounds a little bit like an accounting nightmare to me. How do you, how do you make it not? <laughs>
1: We have bookkeepers. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) We don't do it ourselves. It would be a nightmare if we tried to do it ourselves. So we have people who take care of all that, who understand the land business and how all that works. I don't speak like, you know, accounting ease, but (laughs) they do. And they pretty much keep us on track. Correct. Correct. And we don't charge interest. I know that's another thing that kind of makes it easier to track and balance because there are no interest charges. So right. they're responsible for the depreciation of the land and all that other stuff. They our bookkeepers do all right. that.
2: Yeah. yeah sure. So there's no issues, governmental <laughs> issues. You can have any lawsuits coming against you <laughs> from the government with it. So yeah. it makes it a lot
0: easier. Uh, yeah. I mean, you basically just someone just it's, it's a straight promissory note, 0% interest. Here's yeah. how long it's going to take you to pay it off. Correct. Gotcha. So you're Correct. not dealing, you're not dealing with uh, any of the Dodd Frank or anything like that. Nope. Exactly. No. Nope. Yeah. No. Nope, we're yeah. not. We, we definitely wanted to avoid that Dodd We keep issue. it
1: simple. We have ACH. We have a, a ACH company that just automatically deducts. So when they sign up with us, part of their contract is they allow us to automatically deduct from their checking account. So right. it's all managed and processed without without our intervention until someone is late.
0: Right. <laughs> right. Gotcha. All right. Great, great segue. What happens when someone's late?
1: <laughs> so actually, that one's actually
2: easy. You know, we we give them a grace period. Um, you know, there's a late fees that you pay. But after if you haven't paid on the second month, we reclaim the land. And at that point, for the most part, this is the part that I kind of find the most interesting part about this business is you could have somebody pay on it for six seven years or excuse me six seven months and you know they ghost you for a few months well they've already put in about a few thousand dollars into it and they ghost you we just resell it and we keep moving so basically you end up making more money on it than you actually put into it in the first place so or even that you were expecting so Yeah, The
1: foreclosure process is simple. We send them a certified letter. You've been foreclosed. Right. That's it.
0: Gotcha. And so you still hold the, you hold the title to the land until they've paid it off, right?
1: Absolutely. The deed stays in our name until it is fully paid off. And I
2: like to explain it. It's more like buying a car. I mean, when you, when you buy a car, you know, you're paying a note and then until, and most people finance their cars, but you know, when you get done, You know, paying off the property or the
0: car, you get your title.
2: Our land same way. You know, they they get the deed at the end of paying off their property.
0: Okay, so we we've already established that you are you're not having to do the bookkeeping. (laughs) Uh, What sort of? I guess let's break down these two. Let's talk about time, the amount of time it takes to acquire and find a deal. And then the amount of time that it's taking to manage the notes.
1: We mail every week and we mail out anywhere between 250 to 300 offers a week. Our response rate is typically 3% and our goal to purchase is 1%. Um, we have a acquisitions manager. So as deals come in, she she gets them. And she works them all the way through and she'll reach out to Landon if she has any questions or, you know, if there's some negotiation that goes through. Mm -hmm. So we don't do anything when (laughs) that doesn't cost us any time. We've kind of delegated that out. And in terms of her time, I'm not sure how long she takes.
2: You know, I think in the beginning, we originally we were spending about 10 hours, maybe uh, 14 hours a week. Mm-hmm. um between the two of us we've gotten it now because we've automated and delegated so many components of this uh, of our business out we probably spend maybe an hour a day maybe uh, maybe, uh, maybe less that it it's it has allowed a lot of freedom you know and time to be able to you know spend time with the family and you know with each other and just kind of do some things that we weren't able to do before so that's
0: great and then how did you, you obviously you, you paid for a course, you paid for some, some knowledge with Mark Podolski's the land geeks thing. What was the, what would you think the key piece of knowledge that you learned from there that allowed you to be successful there?
1: I'll give mine and you can give yours. <laughs> I think for mine, it was don't try and reinvent the wheel. Like they show you a phenomenal system and they show you all the processes that you need and if you follow the model, it works. So for us, it was trying to restrain ourselves from, wait, but we can do this better. Or, you know, <laughs> this, this should be different. And just following the process until it works. And then you can make your own tweaks, right? And make it your own, but just not trying to reinvent the wheel.
2: Right. I think, you know, the part that I took away the most was learning to delegate and get, you know, we, we use a lot of virtual assistants to do a lot of our work. A lot of the tasks, and we teach them. We teach them how to do it, and what we want them to do uh, in our business. So I think you know, learning to delegate and be able to have a a, basically a team of people to do basically what we were doing for ourselves. That's been the easiest part, Um, and to me, one of the most beneficial things that we learned.
0: Those are two great answers. And I, I can't agree more with the learning to delegate it is a lot harder than it sounds. It is. <laughs> it is. Um, because you can you can waste a lot of time and a lot of money sending somebody off to do something and go, oh, OK, well, they're going to take care of it. And then it comes back and you're like, that's not what I told you to do. <laughs> you know, that's not, that's crap. That's not you know, that's not what I wanted. So do you have any kind of uh, systems or anything like that that you use to teach your VAs?
1: We do. So as you know, we started off doing everything ourselves, right? So what we did, we started recording what we would do. And so as I would go in, I'm recording everything. I'm talking through the steps and why I'm doing certain things. And so when we bring on new people, we send them the video. So watch the video and then we sit down and walk them through it live as well. But they always have that recording that they can go back to where we were actually doing the process or doing the tasks that they could do.
2: Right. yeah that's been our best way to teach yeah. and you know yeah. help help them understand what we want them to do for our
0: business
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah and is there a, a website that you use or is there a screen recording software loom yeah loom has loom been loom our, dot com. has been
2: very good for us um
1: mm-hmm.
2: you know we and you know uh, I, I, we keep a lot of things in airtable that's been a really good uh platform for us uh, to kind of Keep all of our links and organize everything that we're using. So
0: I use Loom in combination with uh, Trello right now, which is probably yeah. part of how you're using Airtable. Uh, where I'll just kind of create, I'll have like a a process that I'm trying to document. You know, mm-hmm. here's how you do this, and I'll record a video, and it's got a and in the step, it's got a link to th- that yes. video, and they can pull <laughs> yes. it up exactly. And yes, uh, yep. No, it's yep. it's magic. Uh, it's made- it is.
1: It is. It's
0: great. It's a Yeah.
1: We yep. use Trello as well for our acquisitions. So it, it's, it's perfect. We yep. love it.
0: Right. Yep. Just, I know the answer to this, you're buying, you're, you're living in Atlanta, Georgia, and you are, you're investing all over the country. How does that work? How do you, how do you avoid the, the, you know, the problems of, you know, you probably never have set foot on most of these pieces of land, correct? That's correct. Not any that's of that. That's correct. That's correct. <laughs> All right. So how are you, how are you navigating? How are you avoiding buying a gray field? You know, something that's had a you know, not buying something that, you know, is just off the land of uh in Nevada where they used to test nukes, you know, and it's irradiated, you know?
2: <laughs> so that's where the due diligence comes in, the heavy due diligence. And when I say that, we we, we go to we look at Google. Maps, a lot of times Google Maps can show you, or Google Earth can show you that kind of stuff. We also take a look at, you know, um, the county research that they've done. And a lot of times the county information is pretty good, but you kind of have <laughs> to kind of dig a little deeper. Mm-hmm. And then we have, you know, photographers that go out to these properties. You know, you, you can get a couple of photos and you can tell exactly what's going on with that property, with that area, what it's like. And, you know, and they can send you photos of even the towns that are close by and, and tr- roads that are out that way. So you kind of really have a understanding of the lay of the land um, once you've kind of gotten with you know all three of these pieces put together. Um, but it makes it a lot easier.
1: I think we also that sometimes is a concern when we first into a new county but once you learn the county yeah. like you become very familiar with the properties that right. you're buying and the areas within that county.
2: Correct. And that, that's huge. Um because we don't just hop around all over the country. I mean we stay very centralized into just a specific area mm-hmm. that we've kind of really studied. We understand it. I mean it's almost like we live there. <laughs> we've been for years and we know it.
0: And then are you still doing most of the due diligence or are you able to or the VA is able to handle some of that?
2: Yeah, they handle that. You know, we let them dig and, you know, they take a few days and they'll send us a report back of kind of all the details that we need. And, you know, we've had the list of things that we want them to find out. Um, But once they send that back and we get our report, we can make a decision of do we want to go with this property or do we want to move on and uh, pass on it?
0: Gotcha. All right. So final question. And this is a new one that we're asking all of our guests. If you had... $50,000 Fifty thousand dollars that you had to invest in the next ninety days. Where where would you put it, and what would be a return that you would be comfortable with? That's
1: a good question. That's a good question. <laughs> um, I I would. Put it in land. Like I, I would bump up my mailing, so that would take a little bit of it. Might bump up my marketing. That would eat up a little bit of it. And what was left, I would try and um, purchase as much land as I possibly could. And from there, I definitely want to at least four x my money. So whatever I have in, I want four times that amount. Um, And passive income, you know, spread out over the next four to six years.
2: Right. And I think, you know, with if we had that much money, we didn't start out with that much money. We didn't (laughs) even come close (laughs) to it. We started out with a little $14,000 and that was it. $50,000 gets you a ton of property. And I think we've gotten to the point. Well, not we think we've gotten to the point. We are at a point like we've never not been able to sell a piece of property. We've sold every piece of property we've ever bought. And I don't see it as stopping. Um, So it's one of those things, you know, if you had 50,000, yeah, we just lay in and and get as much property as we could. Gotcha.
0: What are you typically targeting? You know, what is the average purchase price that you guys are dealing with or like a range?
1: So it depends on the area. So in our Oregon properties, it's anywhere from 35 to $4,500 depending upon, you know, are there trees and you know, are there power close by, et cetera.
2: Right.
1: Texas is
2: Yeah, Texas you might get, you know, a property for 1500, 1, you know, you know, and, and that's pretty much our range. I mean, occasionally you'll get those you got it really, really low. I mean you got this property for like a hundred dollars. Or you may step up and you know, we've we purchased some properties for, you know, twelve thousand and those properties are a little bit bigger, a little bit nicer, a little bit, you know, so there's a lot more that goes into those type of properties, but. I'd
1: say average will be about about 2,000, 2,500.
0: 2,500 is about an average for us. Okay. Well, Landon and Taria Harris, thank you so much for sharing with us today. Uh, If any of our listeners want to reach out to you and find out more about you and, and what you're up to, what would be the best way for them to do that?
1: Um, they could go to our website. It's Creekside developments with an S.com.
0: Okay. And we'll pull, put all that in the show notes. Awesome. All right. Thanks again for sharing today. You have a great one.
2: Thank, Thank you. you. too.
0: Okay. That was Landon and Taria Harris from Creekside developments.com. I highly recommend that you guys go and check them out to if you get a chance, those links and everything we talked about will be in the show notes, but such a nice couple. And we really, I really enjoyed my conversation with them and raw land investing is always one of those shiny objects that I have to kind of force myself to not, you know, go, Ooh, especially after list, you know, talking to people like Landon Taria and Mark Podolsky who are, who are, you know, doing such a great job of it. So, okay. So Money. They took. Uh, it took them about fourteen thousand dollars to get into their first plot of land. Maybe pumped that up by another five hundred dollars that they had to spend on marketing and things like that. And that's and that's on the high side. Um, they bought ten plots of land for about fourteen dollars, fourteen hundred dollars a piece. So raw land can be purchased pretty inexpensively. Now, again, I think you've got some other expenses, you know, we talked about it a little bit there. We didn't get into huge detail, but you know, you you're, you're paying VAs and, and uh, you're paying for marketing, but um, I don't get the impression that that's a huge amount. So uh, that's money time. You know, they said when they first started out, they were sending about two, 250 to 300 offers a week out via uh, mail. And, um, they were getting about a 3% response rate is what they expect. And they usually expect about 1% purchase to come out of those. And they said it was about 10 to 14 hours in the beginning, but now they said it's down to about one hour a day. So seven hours a week distance, you know, this is a, this is something that you can do from almost anywhere in the world. You might have a little bit of challenge if you were living in Thailand and trying to do it here in the States. But clearly, the system, they work with systems of trying to to delegate and hand that off to people so that I bet they could do it. Uh, Knowledge. They, uh, two things, two great answers. Don't try and reinvent the wheel. That's so often, you know, when you start learning from another real estate investor and you're like, that is what I want to do. That's one of the great things about real estate investing is it's repeatable. and, And you can learn from the way that they do it. And and you don't need to, especially in the beginning, when you don't know what you don't know, just do what they tell you. You know, don't try and reinvent the wheel. Trust the process. And the other is learn to delegate. You know, that is something I'm struggling with a lot a lot right now. Um, it's uh, it's a whole nother skill set, but it is it will few things will supercharge your income more than getting to the point where you can delegate those $10 to $15 an hour jobs so that you can focus on making $500 an hour. And, uh, and they talked about uh, some of the tools they use, Loom, Airtable, Trello, um, and I highly recommend you check that out. All right. Once again, that was Landon and Taria Harris from CreeksideDevelopments.com. And uh, we thank them for their time. I'm Neil Henderson. We're doing this all again next week. Let's hit the road. Hey, before you go, if you like the show, we would be delighted if you'd head over to Podchaser and leave us an honest review. And do let us know why you like the show, how long you've been listening, and in particular, what you find really useful or entertaining. And let us know if there's anything you think we should change. Also, If you have specific questions about real estate investing, especially self-storage or short-term rentals, shoot us an email at info at com, and we'll be happy to answer your question on the show. We might even turn it into an entire episode. Thanks for listening. We're doing this all again next week. Until then, safe travels on your road to financial freedom.